0: I'm happy to meet you after all this time that we've been on each other's socials. I mean, to have a moving face, not just a picture and a voice that goes with it is awesome. (laughs) I'm so interested. I'm just going to jump right into it. Sort of your motto or mission, you know, out of pain into purpose. Tell me about that. Like, what do you mean by that? What's the story behind it? What's your story?
1: Yeah, so out of pain and purpose is something that's always been very meaningful to me. Growing up in my life, because growing up, everything that I went through in my life, whether it be from bullying, or depression, or suicidal thoughts, anything of the kind like that, all that had to happen to me had to had to happen for me in order to be where I am today. So I had to learn that everything happened for a purpose, everything happens for a reason, and you know that I was with the help of my Lord and Savior, I was able to. Help turn that around and turn it into my purpose. You know, and I wanted to help other people understand and realize we go through a lot. We go through a lot of pain in life, suffering, sorrow and stuff. It's not ideal, but it's a huge part of this learning process. this whole part of this life that we're in because life's not perfect. If life was all perfect, what would pain look like if life was perfect? So if there was no failure, we wouldn't know what success looks like. So, you know, there's always a reason that everything happened, but there's always like a bright side on the end of everything. So that's what out of pain into purpose means to me. It's just going from the darkness into turning into a light, you know, being that light for somebody else.
0: Mm, Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think when you talk about your pain into purpose, it's inspiring. I mean, it's inspiring. It helps people know that there's hope and that the things that we go through, there's a bigger purpose, a bigger reason. Um, I appreciate it. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about the pain, about what you had to endure or what your circumstances were? Yeah, for sure. So
1: growing up, I'll never forget. I'm dyslexic, so I've been battling that for a very, very, very long time. And I had to deal with that in school because at one point in time, I hated reading, you know, because comprehending was hard, mixing up letters and numbers and stuff like that. It was really, really hard for me. And along with that, being bullied in school because of how I looked and stuff like that. People call me nerdy, geeky, all the names you could think of and stuff like that. And um, it really took me to a downward spiral. It really got me to a deep downward, emotions of depression and stuff like that, along with stuff that happened at home, because my mom also went through a lot as well. and watched her go through what she went through affected me as well. And it got to a point where I didn't talk to anybody other than my mom. I didn't talk to nobody else except my mom. I didn't even talk to my dad at the time. That's how bad things got at the time. And just understanding that, she, my mom is my rock and she still is to this day and being able to talk to her and tell her how I was feeling and stuff. And and I know growing up, I had anger issues as well because of watching everything that my mom went through. I had a lot of anger issues and stuff like that. So I had to learn to control that and deal with that and like go with therapy and counseling and stuff like that. So it's really been honestly a blessing for me because if I didn't go through all that, I wouldn't be able to share my story or wouldn't be comfortable sharing my story with anybody because there are people who have been in my shoes or similar situations. And I want to be able to encourage people to share your story because you never know what people are going through, but you never know who needs to hear your story.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. And just being able to get out of there.
0: Whoa. Like, whoa. Okay. Let me pause. Yeah. How are you feeling right now talking about that?
1: It gets crazier every time I talk about it because it's just like I'm comfortable more talking about it. But then it's like when I think about and relive those emotions, I feel a little emotion when I relive those emotions. But I'm like every time I do tell my story and stuff, I know it's a part of the process. I know it's a part of it because I know I'm getting my message out there and I want to get my point across by trying to relate to somebody. So I feel more comfortable every time I'm sharing it nowadays, especially. And that's the beauty of me wanting to help other people speak to others, kids, students, all all this stuff like that. And I love it, honestly.
0: It's inspiring, moving. I mean, I feel the emotion through the screen and we're not even in the same literal space. I can feel, I can hear it in your voice. I really appreciate it. Like you said, you don't know who needs to hear it. I mean... You could be saving somebody's life right now. Yeah. I mean, it's that significant. It's that deep. It's that important that we all get more and more comfortable with our own stories. Not because we're like elevating ourselves and being arrogant and like showing off or anything like that. It's that we all have a story. We all have a journey. And some people might say to be brave enough and vulnerable enough to share it it helps other people
1: exactly right I definitely agree because I'm like and one thing that I've always been told and I've always taken this since then my grandfather told me this because he was a pastor for a long time before he passed six years ago he always told me this and the life that I live right now is not for me it's for somebody else because you never know who's watching you You never know who is literally watching your every move, how you operate, how you speak life into your situation, how you speak about yourself, how you speak about other people. You never know who's watching. So it's just understanding that everything has a time and a purpose and understanding that somebody is watching you and you could be helping somebody and you don't know it.
0: That's right. That's right. It's making me feel a lot of things and think about a lot of things. I mean, I think about... The work I'm doing, what has inspired me, and it's my daughter.
2: Yeah.
0: She just turned 15. She's a freshman in high school. But like, shoot, she's watching me every day in and day out, every darn minute. And like, that doesn't mean I have to be on point all the time. I want to show her that I'm human, Mm -hmm. that I need rest too, that I need downtime, that I eat chocolate when I'm not supposed to eat chocolate. (laughs) 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 That I eat that pint of ice cream when I probably shouldn't. Right. That, that's who I am, that she doesn't have to be perfect because I'm not perfect. But yet we can be empowering, positive, influential women in the world that we roll in. I'm taking her out for her birthday. She just turned 15 a couple of weeks ago. I'm taking her out, mommy daughter time, two days and a night, just overnight. Little, little, I'm raising her to be a foodie and a hotel snob. And I, I ain't apologizing for it because that's something I never had. I want to give that to her. And so my husband and I were talking. He's like, I want you to tell her your story. The ins, outs, uglies, beautiful parts of it, tough parts, the pain, because he wants her to know from the mother in her life, like what I've been through and now who I am and how that's helped me be who I am. And that she doesn't have to be perfect because she struggles with that. And then my son, being who I am for my son is different it's going to take it in different but maybe he can choose who he's going to be around and like the quality of people and maybe if he turns out being a heterosexual or not who he might date or marry. I get it. I get it. And we just don't know that people like, "Oh, you can be that and still be this or you can do this and still be that." Like, yeah. Yeah. We're diverse human beings with different experiences and all of them make up who we are today.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah.
0: No, and I love being in your space, like talking about it. So like, what moves you right now? I know you're a musician. I know you're an author. I know you do motivational speaking and it makes sense. Now that I'm sitting down with you in this intimate moment, like what are you most passionate about right now of all the things that you're able to do?
1: I'm very, very passionate about, honestly, just wanting to help people be the best version of themselves that they could be each and every day. It's a process. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's day by day, minute by minute, second by second, you know, improve yourself. You know, instead of trying to uh, compare yourself to other people, which I've had issues with in the past, I'd rather compare myself today to who I was yesterday Mm -hmm. and see Mm -hmm. how much I've improved from the day before and from the day before that. Because it's always room for improvement. Because you've all heard the saying, you know, practice makes perfect. But if you think about it, practice makes improvement practice makes preparation. You know, it's just like the more you do it, the more you stay consistent with it, you know, and the more you discipline and committed with it, you just get better with time. Absolutely. I'm really committed and passionate about wanting to help others just be the best version of themselves that they can be in everything that I do. You know, whether it be speaking with musicians that I hang with my fellow musicians, we love to empower each other, to lift each other up. Because we have these things called sheds where we just get together and just play music with each other. I'll be on the drums, play on the keys, switch out and stuff like that. And we just mingle with each other and just get ideas together and just empower each other. I just love that kind of stuff. And always surrounding yourself with like-minded people, people who are just hungry, people who are just driven and goal-driven, people who want more, who want to do more and to be more and to be better.
0: hmm No, that's awesome. So cool. I mean, I know you're a former athlete like myself, so I know there's a lot that is applied in our sport to life, exactly what you're talking about. No such thing as perfection. Practice makes improvement. How are we going to be a little bit better each day? people need to realize that that mindset in our sport helps us in our life. It does. Right? Because when you're in a sport, even if it's an individual sport, you're part of a team and that you represent that team. Your role is important. Like uplifting your teammate is going to help you. And so like, that's what you're talking about. That's what you do in your life. Whether it's in a jam session or speaking to a bunch of, young people who have never heard anyone talk like this. What's it like for you? I'm just going to name it and bring it out there. What's it like for you as a Black man to be able to like be who you are and to impact other people in this way?
1: I love it, honestly, because we all know that there has been this negative stereotype of Black men in general. And I want to be the change that I want to see in this world. I want to be able to say, hey, there are Black men out there who are not, gang bangers and thugs and all this stuff like that. There are Black men out here who are doctors. There are Black men out here who are teachers. Shout out to all the teachers out there as well. There are Black men out there who are really doing their best, succeeding, grinding, doing what they need to do to better themselves for the next generation, especially to the parents out there, because they want better for their kids than what they had growing up. So for me, I love it because I want to be able to show people, you know, hey, There's more to life than just laying around and doing nothing. There's more to life than just uh, sitting around playing video games, which I'm a huge video game player myself. But (laughs) there's more to life, really. Just go out there and get it. Whatever you want in this life, you just got to go out there and get it. It's not going to come to you. It's not going to come when you want it to. You got to go out there and get it. And it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of discipline and commitment and time because... A lot of people nowadays, if we're being honest, want that instant gratification. You know, they want that right away. And one thing I'll never forget, recently me and a couple of friends went to a UGA game against Missouri in Athens. And we was in the car on the way up there that morning, and we were just talking about, especially young athletes, because my friend, his nephew plays football and stuff. And he was telling me about how his nephew wants that instant gratification. You know, He's not willing to put in the work. And I literally said this quote, and I just came up with it. And I was like, you cannot excel if you do not execute. You can't expect to exceed if you don't execute. So it's all about executing. It's all about putting in the work to get to where you want to be. Because with him wanting to be, play football and stuff like that, his nephew wanted to play football and stuff, all the professional players and college players, they didn't get there in an instant. It took dedication. It took practice. Even times outside of the team practice, there are athletes who have practiced on their own time, training on their own time to get better in any sport, football, basketball, soccer, any sport. You know, it takes that time. You got to take that time for yourself to get better. Uh People like Simone Biles, it did happen overnight. She practiced for a long time. And she looked at her, one of the best gymnasts in the world.
0: Uh
1: And I admire people who are just grinding for what they want. They are executing and they're excelling at what they do because they're putting in the work. And I always want to remind people of that. You got to put in the work. If you want something out of this life, you got to go out there and get it. And it ain't going to come to you. You got to go out there and grab it and take
0: it. Uh Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because someone else will if you don't.
1: Man, I'm telling you, if you don't take it, someone else is going to grab that opportunity and then you're going to wonder, why didn't I do this? It's because you didn't have the desire to go get it.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you say put in the practice and when you bring up some Biles, I think it's important to say that there's mental practice as well. Oh, yeah. Mental skills, not just the physical skills. You got to train your brain like you train your body. Yes. Like, you know, the athlete or the person who puts that time in there is going to be, if they're equal in talent, whether it's on the field of play or not, if you train your brain, you're going to excel, exceed further than the other person who's not doing it, right? And that can take many forms, right, Sylvester? I mean, that can be prayer. I know you're a man of God. It could be prayer. It could be meditation, It could be expressing your gratitude, saying grace, knowing the power of setting process goals, not just outcome goals, rewarding yourself, taking breaks, recognizing what you need for your mental health. So I think that what you're saying is amazing and important. And Simone being the GOAT that she is, wasn't she like just named Times Athlete of the Year recently or something like that? Yeah, she was like number one,
1: along with a few other people. Two women who in WWE, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair were also on that list. Okay. And I know Simone Biles, I think was number one on that list. Yeah. And uh, there was like five women who were like top five. And Simone Biles was number one. I was like, 2021 was a year for them. And I'm like, indeed it was. And and I love what you mentioned. It's definitely a mental practice. It's definitely a mental practice. Cause we've all heard the quote of, you know, how sports says 90% mental, 10% physical. And I agree with that because it's definitely a mental game because it starts up here. It starts up here. If you can think it and believe it and speak it and train your brain and reframe your mindset, it helps you to train your body. That's right. Train your bones and your body to get at it, to put in that work. It's all a matter of taking care of yourself, mentally especially, taking breaks, setting boundaries. All that stuff, because we all know mental health is very, very, very important. And we've seen that a lot in 2021.
0: That's right. With the pandemic, adding that extra level of stress to everyone has really pushed the boundary around like how we take care of ourselves, what we can actually handle and the things we need to put in place, right? I mean, you said at the beginning of our conversation, I think it's important to emphasize that you are a black man who has gone to therapy. I think that it's important for those who are listening to know and hear that. There's so much stigma in many communities, including the black community, about engaging in therapy, like, "Ah, uh, I'm not crazy, or I'm not schizo," or "I'm not all these derogatory terms we have for someone who's struggling with mental health. Like what brought you to feel OK about engaging in therapy and staying in it? Like what helped you with that?
1: Yeah. And I love that because for me, what really made me undertake it and to keep it going is the fact that I knew I wasn't okay. And I didn't want to stay feeling the way I felt, you know, and I knew I needed some help. While I can pray and everything and leave it to God and everything, I also know he created, he allowed certain professionals to have these degrees in these professions to help other people they're helping people they're ministering in their own way in their professions through therapy and counseling so i'm like why not take advantage of it because i've heard that stigma as well how when the first thing we hear therapy people are like you need therapy or something like that oh i'm not crazy you ain't gotta be crazy to go to therapy you don't have to be crazy schizo to go to therapy maybe you need to go to therapy because you just need to release some anger maybe you just need to release some emotion You know, take care of yourself. That's a huge part of taking care of yourself. And I really want to put myself first because I've always had a habit of putting others before me because I love helping other people. And at some point I had to learn that self-love is very, very important and I cannot pour from an empty cup. That's right. Well, I have to refill my cup and take care of myself so that I can help other people even if that means setting boundaries for myself. That's right. Whether it be removing myself from people who are just taking from my life and not giving into it, or just making sure that I am aware of who is filling in my cup. So therapy is a huge part of that.
0: And then it's not dirty water.
1: Right, right. Not dirty water. <laughs>
0: yeah. It can't just be anything filling that cup.
1: Exactly. It can't be dirty water. Nothing like that. It's got to be yeah. clean. It's got to be. Yeah. I, I don't need no kind of dirty water in my cup. We're going to have the props you get the dirty, dirty water in my cup.
0: <laughs> I was rolling with your metaphor, with your symbolism a little bit. I was there. That's why I was like, yeah, his cup better be, like, correct because he's doing things. <laughs> exactly right.
1: I felt that. I was like, yeah, I, I definitely don't need no dirty water. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I don't want to bathe in dirty water, I don't need no dirty water in my ah,
0: so, uh-huh.
1: uh, Definitely. So therapy is a huge part of that. I encourage anybody to go to therapy or counseling of any kind to take care of yourself. You don't have to be crazy to go to therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: good mm-hmm. for mental health. It's good to release emotion.
0: Yes. Thank you for sharing your experiences. I mean, I had never heard it spoken like that around mental health professionals are ministering in their own right. They're helping people through the knowledge and experience they have, that we have, myself as a mental health professional. I mean, I think that more and more the conversation can be, and I would love it to be, that like people prioritize their mental health just as they do their physical health, right? And that we can address our mental health in the same way our physical health, right? So when we talk about physical health, right, don't we talk about prevention, Don't we talk about assessing, is my body ready to do that? Don't we talk about if there might be an injury, getting a diagnosis and so that we know how to then treat it properly and intervene and then recover properly. That whole process can be the same thing for mental health. You can go and have a conversation with a therapist. It could be just one time potentially to prevent something becoming more heavy than it needs to be, more burdensome, more of a stressor, so we can go preventatively, right? And shoot, don't we go for annual physicals? Why don't we go for annual mental health checkups? I mean, I'm biased. I would love it to be more than just annual, but like, why can't we just keep the language similar in that way and not let the stigma of it keep us from normalizing it?
1: Right, I love that. Yeah, I totally agree with that because why can't we normalize that more often just like how we do physical health? Because you hear so much going to rehab for obviously physical rehab for injuries and all that stuff like that. What about mental rehab? What about mental therapy? All that stuff. Mental is just as important, if not more important than physical. You know, because at the end of the day, it starts up here. It starts up here, as well as making sure that you're taken care of on the inside. That's right. If you're not taken care of on your inside and your mental, chances are, you know, trying
0: to take do it physical alone, you know, it ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy. (laughs) It's incomplete, really. Yeah. Right. It's incomplete. Yeah. Tell me about your fraternity, what you do, why this fraternity, the work you've done to serve. I'd love to hear it. I'd love my audience to
1: hear it. Yeah. So uh, my fraternity, I know my fraternity isn't like a historically Black fraternity. Okay. But it's Alpha Phi Omega National Service fraternity. And I know a lot of people have heard about it and stuff. We focus on uh, leadership, friendship, and service. Being a leader, being a friend, and being of service, really. So we really focus on wanting to help our community, service to our mankind, service to humanity, service to the entire, just the entire world, really wanting to help other people in the best way that we can.
0: I love it. I love it.
1: Being just servants, servant leaders, really. And I've always considered myself a servant leader because I want to lead by example by serving other people. So... That's what my biggest thing is with my fraternity, which I love, is that we want to serve other people as pretty much like the basis of it. We want to serve other people, serve our community in the best way we can.
0: So your fraternity, and I love it, I love what it stands for, is multicultural then? Yes. Okay, nice. Were your founders of different races and ethnicities? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love it. So there's a couple myths we can debunk in this conversation. That black people don't have to join historically black Greek organizations, Mm -hmm. right? That fraternities aren't about just partying it up and having a house and just having fun. That's key. That's key. That there are Greek organizations out there that are about service, servanthood, friendship, brotherhood. So I love it. I love it. So I'm a Delta and it's actually kind of flipped, you know. Delta Sigma Theta is historically Black sorority, but I'm biologically not Black. I'm Filipino and white. But at times when I didn't know who I was, I didn't know how to connect to my people and they didn't know how to connect to me, Black people in the Black community knew how to do that. When I needed it the most, Black people in the Black community showed up for me and loved me in the way I needed it so bad. So i always have heart, a piece of my heart, a big piece of my heart, is in the black community, is for and with alongside black people. So I think that's interesting. We're both unique in our situations. I just love it. And Delta is about servanthood as well. Servanthood, sisterhood, serving community, lifting up all people. So to have people alongside us doing it who have the same investment and the same heart and passion just makes us better. And then we make them better.
1: For real, I know a lot of people in uh, divine art organizations from college. I know a lot of Deltas for sure. And honestly, out of all the D9s, shout out to all D9s as well. Yep, but I love me some Deltas. Shout out. <laughs> I love me some Deltas. I'm not going to lie. I love me some Deltas. <laughs> but I love the fact that when it comes to historically Black fraternity and sororities, I love the brotherhood, the unity that's in there, you know, because we need more of that. Or instead of fighting against each other, you need more unity among each other. And that's what I love about it. So I'm so in awe of that, you know, when you see that in any organization. So it's beautiful. And, and I love when you mentioned fraternities and definitely are more than just parties and big houses. It definitely is because when you cross a fraternity, you know, when you join a fraternity and stuff like that, the real work begins.
0: That's right
1: real work begins. Like, it's not just the parties or anything like that. That's fun and well and good, but there's service involved. There's education and service involved in that. You got to put in the work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, then it's just like, then you have some people who join just for parties and stuff like that, and that's their decision. But a lot of people I know join fraternity stories, one for the unity and the brotherhood, the sisterhood, and also for the service that they see in the community, and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's definitely what where are works against. You got the community service, whether it be on campus, off campus, whatever it is that you do, and just being a great representation of your organization. Definitely, it's all about that service and unity and just leading by example. So I definitely agree with you on that one.
0: I mean, I think though, it's interesting. Were we, I'll just talk about us because we're the ones in this space. Were we like that before and then joined an organization that reflected who we were? Or did we join the organization that helped create who we are now and prioritize that? It's interesting, the chicken or the egg. I mean, I think for me, it's who I was and then Delta was an expression of it. I think the fact that my best friend at the time was a Delta and I got to see everything. Shout out to Lori DeBose. What's up? That she, my Dean, and that she showed me by who she was to be like, wait, I want to know about this. I want to know about who are the people around you that help you be this woman that you are. Mm -hmm. And to be exposed to it just through her friendship and be like, wow, I want to be a part of this. So it's so interesting, a beautiful part of my life. So I love sharing with you about it.
1: Yes, and, and also about my fraternity as well. One thing, we're also co ed fraternity too. So it's like men and oh, women okay. join. Yeah, nice. men and women can join too. So we have men and women who are part of Alpha Phi Omega. We also have a sister organization called Gamma Gamma Sigma National Service Sorority as well. But yeah, we're definitely co ed as well, multiracial. We have people from all different backgrounds and stuff who have joined our organization. Definitely share the same values that we do, you know, about service, especially. So I love it. I love being a part of it. I've been a part of it since 2016, actually. So it's been about five years since I've been a part of it, and I love it. And when I look back, I'm like, man, that feels like a long time ago.
2: Yeah. It's just crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just blessed to be a part of it. It's really helped me, been a huge part of everything that I do, you know, along with everything else that I did in college, the other organizations that I did in college. Because I'm sure you've heard of the 100 Black Men. Yes. I was a part of the Collegiate 100 chapter um, at my undergrad school down here, which is umbrella under there. And I volunteered with them. I was president of that organization at one point in college and also helped with hundred black men in my area and stuff like that. And I just love that kind of stuff. I love it. And just communing with fellow brothers and sisters, just being able to come together and just help the community and help each other and empower each other, lift each other up. I love that stuff.
0: No, it's great. It's great. It's great. I mean, there's too many things trying to push us down. So we got to be have discernment about who we get to be around and who gets to be around us. Right. So, yes. I mean, I'm loving this conversation. Is there anything you want to make sure you tell me or share with any of my listeners right now before I end with our last question?
1: Thinking. Um. Well, yeah, I know we mentioned I was a former athlete. Yeah, I ran track for a very, very long time. Track, honestly, is probably my favorite sport.
0: What races did you run?
1: I was a sprinter. Okay. So I ran the the 100. I ran 200. Okay. The four by one, which probably was my favorite event to run. Okay, yeah. I've done the four by four as well. I did pretty much the relays and all the single race events for sprinters. I literally enjoyed it. You're part of a team, but you definitely make sure you do your part for the team. And I love it. And running the 4x1 especially can be very competitive, especially like if you're the last, like you're the anchor, it can be very competitive. Woo! Yeah. Yep. It's so fun for me. And then I watched college track meets online and stuff like that. And just watching it, I've even volunteered with the CSU track team down here helping with them and stuff from time to time. And I love it. And I'm just like, yes, this just takes me back. And I'm just like, this is the kind of stuff I love doing, of uh, being a part of this stuff, and which makes me want to work in college athletics in general. So uh, I love it. I love it. And of course, I've also done like other sports growing up, like uh, football and baseball as well, and other uh, intramural sports in college too. So I love it. I'm a big sports fan. So,
0: yeah. And sports is so much more than the game, quote unquote, skills we learn things we discover about ourselves, helping each other achieve that same united goal. No, it's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. So Sylvester, if you don't mind, let me ask you how old you are.
1: I'm 27.
0: Oh my God. Okay. Why'd it feel like I was talking to like a 37 year old or even a 47 year old? And that don't mean because I'm the only one here that can see you. So it's not about, hey people out there, it's not about how he looks. It's about what he's talking about. (laughs) This is a 27-year-old man. Oh, my God.
1: It's so funny because anytime people ask me that and I tell them how old I am after they hear me speak, they be like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm 27 because I'll be 28 March. They were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I tell myself I have an old soul. Yeah. I really have an old soul. I think you do. Because I get a lot of that from my grandfather because I was around him so much. So a lot of the things that he's done, I got a lot of that from him. So a lot of my mannerisms or how I act or how I operate and stuff. I get that from him and my mom. So I really have an old soul. I'm a child at heart, but I have an old soul as well.
0: Yes. Well, it's great to have both.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. A lot of people tell me that I'm wise for my age and stuff. i like, I appreciate that. I'm just doing what I can with life experience that I've been through and stuff and wanting to help somebody.
0: You he said want to help somebody. Yeah, totally. So I know you're a man of God. I'm going to take you here. We're going to go here together. So we are in your church. Mm -hmm. You are actually not sitting in the pew. This is your memorial. Okay. Service. Okay. Okay. What do you want your minister to say about you during this service where we're celebrating and remembering who Sylvester was here on this earth? What do you want him to say? What do you want the atmosphere to be like? What songs do you want to be played and sung? Like, What do you want that time to be like? What do you want your minister to say about you?
2: Mm,
1: I love that question. I would hope, one, I'd hope it'd be good things. But uh, I hope, honestly, one thing I really hope that the minister would mention or say about me is that I have a huge heart for people because I really do have a huge heart. It could be a double-edged sword at times, but I do have a huge heart and wanting to... Just do my best to help somebody, even with the little that I have, doing my best to help somebody, you know, and whatever it is that they're going through, whether it be just something simple, something serious, whatever the case may be. And also letting people know that if you ever need to talk, just let me know. I do my best to be approachable. You know, let's just have a conversation and sit down. Let's just talk because I love meeting new people. And also one thing always people have told me, and I know I have a fact that a minister would probably say this about me, is that the fact that I love to smile. Because I do smile Mm. a lot. I will say that. I
0: see it. Yep. I can attest to that.
1: Yep. I do love Uh to smile because I love trying my best to stay upbeat and stuff um, no matter what my situation looks like. Sometimes I obviously have my moments when I feel my emotions and I make sure that it's important to feel those emotions. But I love to smile. I love to have a good time and I love to not let things get to me. I love to just go with the flow, just chill and hang out. Just enjoy life, honestly.
0: I appreciate a lot. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm very impressed with you as a young man. I mean, I'm impressed with who you are and who you you are becoming and what your future holds and the outlook that you have around your fellow humans in this world going through life together. So I really appreciate the opportunity to get to chat with you and to share this space and to chop it up and laugh and also go deep. So thank you so much for the opportunity, Sylvester.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I have
2: enjoyed this entire
1: conversation.
0: Eric, what was it like for you? I'll
2: tell you what, it makes you think, right? It makes you think back to just being younger and going through stuff. And I have three kids of my own. And I was like, you know who needs to hear this? High school kids of all backgrounds, whatever they're going through to know that, like you said early on, like you go through it. And it's tough. And like you talked about therapy and not making it like the stigma that it's like something's wrong with you if you go to therapy. But it's hard for kids. And I don't care where they are and what they're doing, but they're all going through something. And we talk about that a lot in my house. And it's very tough. It's important just for you two to have the conversation. If even if I wasn't even here, and then I'm lucky to be here. I've said this before, Lisa. But then to know that like my son who's in high school could listen to this, and as you say, just sit with that. You know, <laughs> <seriously>. <laughs> and they have to do it on their own terms a lot. Yeah. Right. In their own way. Mm-hmm. In their own way. It's important.
0: <laughs> and to know like what Sylvester said, right, Eric, to know that like what you're feeling in that moment is not going to last forever. That's impermeable. Yes. Right? Our experiences are impermeable and they're not going to last forever. As a teenager, they think that it is. They think like their life is over and like, oh shit, this is going to be my thing forever. Yeah. It's developmentally uh-huh. where their are, it's where their brains are. But yeah, when we can hear a conversation like Sylvester and know like as a young man still to realize that and that all that is a part of your journey and who you are is important.
2: But then to have that emotion that you obviously had when talking about it, Sylvester, and then your reaction to it, Lisa, is like, because you're still going to have that in a different way, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's hard in school at any age, like, especially then, cause you're just like, it seems like that's it. Like, you're going to be in school forever. And it's so hard to know, like, those four years, whatever it might be. <laughs> it's so quick, but it's so impactful. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: No. Just appreciate you, Sylvester, very much. Thank
3: you for sharing all that. Yeah. Thank you so much.